All right, my friends, welcome back. Deep Fried Bets Podcast. Boomer is with us. Uh, we've got some great, great interviews today. Um, we, I mean, we got it all. College football tomorrow or today. I mean, you know, this thing's dropping Thursday morning. College football is kicking off this afternoon, and we're, we're ready for it. Um, we're ready to make some money. And welcome to the Deep Fried Bets Podcast, my friends. Uh, this episode is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. It's the only place I take my action, safest place to play. It's the only place I trust. Love it. Uh, 100% bonus. We'll get to that in a little bit. But check them out, MyBookie.ag. Boomer, week one, officially college football season. How excited are you? Oh, man, I am so damn excited. But it's actually week 1.0. Uh the week before was uh, was a little bit a little bit disappointing with uh, with how good and how close the uh, UMass game was. I was really expecting that one to be a absolute blowout. So I'm gonna have to kind of get back to the drawing board. Right? On, did you uh, did you get to watch metrics. that game? Oh yeah, of course, of course. I have ESPN at the Ocho, and uh, I get to watch every second of it. Well, Live coverage is great. In true degenerate fashion, I had UMassAthletics.com pulled up on my computer watching that game. So. Uh, it's a good start. Uh, I got that one. Let's kind of take a look. Back. Well, how, how did you uh, How did you do on the uh, on the UMass girls cricket game um, on Saturday? Lost that one. Lost that one. They had a tough match yeah. against Boston College at home, but uh, didn't quite get that one. But speaking of last yeah. week, uh, it was week zero of the college football season, and you know what wasn't. Wasn't good action. Let's let's not kid ourselves here. But we watched it anyways. Uh, Oregon State, Colorado State. We both got that one. Hawaii, UMass. I hit Boomer loss. South Florida, San Jose State. Again, I hit Boomer loss. And we got in right. And, and and why did I lose that? It was because oh, Willie Taggart didn't have the damn coin purse. Hey, Willie Taggart is up in uh, Willie Taggart's in Oregon, my man. It's Charlie Strong. <laughs> oh man, that's why I picked. South Florida. Wow, I was totally wrong on that one. Yeah, uh, Charlie Strong is down there now, taking knees inside the thirty. Love it. I actually middled that game once South Florida started making that comeback. I was like, oh shit, they're about to blow the brakes off of them. I'm gonna try to get back in it. I uh, got my first middle of the season. It's always good. Then we had that Rice Stanford monstrosity. Uh, thank God there was boxing going on during that because that was awful to watch. But we did have the boxing match, uh, Mayweather-McGregor. We were both on Mayweather pretty big. I don't think either of us thought McGregor had a chance. But, I mean, did he surprise you a little bit? Oh, yeah, of course. It was a super entertaining fight. Totally worth uh, watching him for free like I did. And, um, you know, McGregor hung in there and uh, I think gave a KO to the sport of boxing in the process. Yeah, a lot of folks – we're, uh, you know, they're saying that's exactly what Mayweather wanted to do. He wanted to keep it entertaining. He was out there taking punches because he knew McGregor couldn't knock him out. Sure, I mean, that might be the case, but, you know, all it takes is one to catch you the wrong way you get knocked out. But it was. I was I was super entertained, you know, going into it. I don't even think I mentioned it on the podcast last week. I was not exactly excited to drop 100 bucks on this fight, but, you know, you got to kind of get that kind of stuff just in case something crazy happens. And it turned out to be a good fight. You know, had a good time watching it. So definitely don't regret buying that. But we both hit. Yeah, t- totally worth it. Totally worth it. The uh, I don't know. The pre fights were uh, super boring. I was definitely uh, happy to have a clear liquid concoction that is handmade in the state of Texas. Which oh. hey, prayer sent. Prayer sent for Texas. Prayer sent. Austin, Texas. Tito's. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that of course, not of, used to. Of course. 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, both both did all right on the fight. I parlayed every college football game I took that day with the fight and then had some extra money on it. So that was a good day. Um, but, yeah, that was last week. We're You know, that's the past. This is the deep fried bets. We're about to hear it now. And the here and now is week one of college football season. But before we get to week one, you know, I hadn't even told you about the guest we have this weekend, which is my fault. Uh, first off, we got Dennis Dodd. I think you all know Dennis from uh, CBSSports.com. Dennis is a national college football writer over there, a uh, big-time college football guy. Great interview with him, just kind of catching up. A little bit on last week and going into the season and hearing what he's got to say, some teams he likes, some teams he doesn't like. Uh, good interview there. We'll get to that in just a second. And then a little bit, uh, this was one of the better interviews I think we've done in terms of gambling insight. And it was uh, Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob Sports. You know, he's a big college football capper. Um, he gave you some great insight into some week one. So it's kind of a, you know, two different ways to look at it. You know, Dennis is coming at it from X's and O's, and he's he's giving you, you know, the, the great on-field analysis, that kind of stuff. Dr. Bob's coming behind the scenes. He's giving you the, you know, the spreadsheet analysis, if you will. So two great different points of view uh, to kind of get ready for college football week one. I'm ready for it. Um, I've been waiting way too long for this. tomorrow or Tonight, Indiana versus Ohio State is kind of the main one. And, uh, you know, we'll get to all those games here in a minute. But first, let's get to our interview with Dennis Dodd. All right, folks, well, we'd like to welcome Dennis Dodd to the uh, Deep Fried Bets podcast. Again, Dennis Dodd comes from us from CBSSports.com. He's a national college football writer. You can find him, like I said, at CBSSports.com or on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. Uh, Dennis, how are you doing this evening? Brooks, I'm good. How are you? Doing good, doing good. So, uh, you know, we got a little bit of a tease last weekend with college football. We had five games, I believe, and, you know, but Thursday's when it really gets kicked off. Are you excited? I am. Uh, that was a good appetizer. I thought it was, I guess, somehow got called week zero, um, like it was a secret government project. But, right. um, yeah, I'm, re- I'm ready for the, I'm ready for everybody else to kick off. But it's funny, uh, I've said this before, college football is the only sport that doesn't have an organized kickoff to its season. You know, baseball does, football, NFL football does, basketball does. It's just these games are just kind of arranged right. um, in the time slot. But that's unfortunate. I think they could do a lot better. Anyway, that's my rant. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's one thing I was mentioning last week. You know, the NFL, you get this big ceremonious Patriots versus Chiefs Thursday yeah. night, and then college football gives you Oregon State and Colorado State. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, there's games, what, there's a game 10 o'clock Saturday night from Sydney, Australia, because God knows we need programming then. Right, um, absolutely. So, anyway. Yeah, so uh, does anything just stick out to you that you saw on Saturday? Anything kind of? You weren't expecting to see anything like that? Uh, well, I think I, I do think this. I think we have our first hot seat candidate, Matt Gary Anderson. There was a really bad showing by Oregon State, and they've lost. I didn't know Oregon State had lost 14 road games in a row. Yeah, I hadn't either. They were competitive that. for yeah, and they were competitive for a while, and then um, and then just kind of petered out. I, I I do think Colorado State's pretty good. I didn't really mention them in, in any of my preseason. New York Six Golden Ticket stuff, but uh, or New Year Six, uh, but they look like to be pretty good, especially with that new stadium. So, no, I, I think that's you know Gary Anderson ought to 
check real estate prices somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was a Colorado State. Looks like that might be fun to watch this year. So, like I said, you know, the real action gets started on Thursday night. What's the storyline that you're most looking forward to this college football season? Oh, wow. Um, I say, I've just written about this for tomorrow, how there is a lack of drama this year. Um, I think you can take any top ten you want, throw a blanket over it, and the, the four playoff teams are going to be underneath it somewhere. Um, there's just not, you know, the, the, this sport doesn't tolerate Cinderella very well. Um, and it's become so homogeneous, homogeneous that, you know, we could have an FSU-Alabama rematch. Right. Uh, the FSU-Alabama game may be for nothing but seeding in the playoff at the end of the day. So, no, I look, that's a Debbie Downer approach. I, I, I think that it could be the best opener ever with all that talent on the field. I'm interested to see if, you know, the SEC can reclaim its spot as the best conference. Uh, you know, the Pac-12 is trying to elbow its way in, and, and the Big 12, boy, it just, just seems like it's a power four now. They really need to get back into the playoffs. So we'll see. We're, we're living in, uh, I think we're living in a golden era of college football. It's, there's never been as many points scored. Um, the talent's never been as good. And the playoff is only four years old, so it's great. Yep, I agree. Um, all right, so kind of hit on that Alabama-Florida State game. I think that's the matchup everybody's looking forward to most this weekend. Uh, what's another big-time game that you think uh, produced an exciting finish? Well, Florida, Michigan, just for the brand names alone, we don't know from Jim McElwain. I guess he's kind of half-getting. He might play three quarterbacks. Uh, his best player, best playmaker is out of the game, Antonio Callaway, because of the suspension. I really don't know which way to go on this game. I, I think I picked – I may have picked Michigan, but I'm not sure because I, I think Michigan takes a step back this year because they've only got five starters back. And, you know, what Ohio State did last year was a Haley's Comet, Unicorn, and Eclipse. You're only going to see it once in a lifetime. They had the youngest team in the country and went 11-2. Right. I don't think Michigan's going to do that this year. I think that's that was an anomaly. And uh, he has really good players. It doesn't matter. Uh, Michigan has problems uh, in general, running the ball at an elite level, that he hasn't, Jim Harbaugh hasn't gotten a, a difference-making quarterback yet. Uh, the defense, I think, is going to be pretty salty, though. There's only one returner there. Uh, that returner is not Rashawn Gary, who may be the best defensive lineman in the country. But, you know, other than that, I, I think they're going to take a step back. I think it's a game that if this makes sense. Michigan has to win more than Florida. Florida can lose this game. Still in the SEC East, it's all good. If Michigan loses this game, and with the schedule they have coming up in the Big Ten, it's kind of a harbinger of things to come. It kind of rubber stamps what I'm saying, that that they are going to take a step back. And, and if that means losing to uh, Ohio State for a third year in a row, that means that Jim Harbaugh is going to face something he never has as a college coach, and that's pressure. Right, yeah. I mean, at some point, you, yeah, it's got to Pressure to win, yeah. All right, so what's what's a game this weekend that, you know, we got the big ones, like you said, Florida, Michigan, Alabama, Florida State. What's a game that's kind of under the radar that you think uh, might be something fans want to tune into? Under the radar? Um, well, we just found out that 
LSU BYU is going to New Orleans. So it's a, it has all all kinds of irony. I mean, I, we all know the Superdome was was the uh, center of uh, the refugees during Katrina in '06, and now because of the hurricane in Houston, they're they're playing football there. That that irony cannot be dismissed. And maybe maybe BYU uh, can count this as a New Year's Six bowl because that's you know maybe as close as they're going to get. Um, you know, I. I Beyond those reasons, I really want to see if LSU can consistently move the ball against a quality defense because the same thing that got Les Miles fired is going to be the biggest challenge this year for Orgeron, and that's quality quarterback play. Right. Yeah, you know, they've got Darius Guys, they've got all kinds of athletes on the field. Art, I guess Arden Key isn't going to play, um, which I think is huge. Uh, it's going to be a de facto home game for LSU, but. Uh, I, I just, I just want to see, you know, I just want to see how Coach O works out. Ten, ten years. How many guys could get another job ten years later at the highest level after going ten and twenty-five? This is what he did at Ole Miss. So that's got some storylines for me. Especially the same conference too. That's you know, what kind of surprised me. About. Well, yeah, that's what I said the highest level. Yeah. Yep. All right. So speaking of Arden Key, what, what are you hearing on that? You know, I haven't heard much from it this off season, which is kind of surprising, but. You know, that's a big loss for them if he doesn't suit up. Yeah, he had the shoulder surgery, and then he had, I don't know what they want to call it, a leave of absence in the spring, I guess it was. I don't know what to make of that. I, You know, um, it's it's a mystery shrouded in, um, you know, uh, doubt and intrigue. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I do know this. If he ends up, you know, showing out this year, he got a chance to be the number one player overall. That's what I'm told by NFL scouts. In in a year when it's the year of the quarterback, really, there's a lot more good quarterbacks in college football now that's going to be available in the draft. But Arden Key is that singular talent, just like uh, just like uh, Garrett was last year for Texas A&M, coming off the edge. So, and you, you can't pay those guys enough. You know, after quarterback and maybe left tackle, those kind of guys who paid the most money. All right, so we'll, one more question about that game before we get off of it. You know, BYU, they were one of the quote-unquote week zero games played against Portland State. What what did you yeah. make of that game? Is that just you thought they were kind of looking forward, looking ahead to LSU, that kind of thing, or are they just going to be sluggish? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, the first thing I thought of was Portland State, a top 25 team in, in FCS, and I don't think they are. I don't think they're favored to win the big sky, but, um, you know, it could have been sluggish. And look, teams make their biggest jump from the first to second game, but I think your point is well taken that they may have been looking ahead that we're frying pan into the fire now. And seldom do we see these intersectional games like this these days. You know, uh, BYU going to Houston and now going into the belly of the beast at LSU. Um, you know, they Bronco Mendenhall was not terrible. I don't know what they wanted out of him. He eventually left for for Virginia. Um, and Kalani Sataki is is a pretty good coach, right. but they're they're just kind of caught in limbo. BYU's caught in limbo. So, in, as far as the national picture is concerned, it's playoff or bust for them. Uh, much the same way Notre Dame is. Notre Dame because of the reputation gets gets the would would get the benefit of the doubt over. BYU is an independent, but I'm going off on a tangent. But yeah, I you know um, 
Anna Mangum's a good quarterback. We've seen him before. Uh, I don't know if they have any particular game breakers, but that's a little bit of a struggle with, uh, with Portland State. Yep. All right, so, you know, kind of hit on uh, Notre Dame, BYU, some of those non-Power 5 teams. Is this a year we finally see a non-Power 5 or non-group of five or group of, you know, non-Power 5, sorry, get up there in that playoff mix this year? No, I don't know if it'll ever happen. Um, I think what would happen, would even start the conversation, uh, every Power 5 champion would have to have at least two losses. Okay. And there'd be a group of five school out there that went 13-0 and and had one or two good non-conference wins. I don't think that's even possible this year. South Florida is the best group of five teams, but their non-conference is, uh, is terrible. Yeah, Stony that? Brook, Illinois, um, San Jose State, we saw that. If they go if they go 13-0, and I, I don't think they'll even be a discussion point for the uh, – or the committee based on, on what I've seen from them so far. So, no, I think it's going to be darn near impossible. Yeah, I thought South Florida, you know, they've got the talent and would be a fun team. Yeah. yeah that's out of schedule or out of conference schedule is brutal. Um, well, their, their best win would be their only power five win would be over uh, Illinois. That's not going to get it. No, not at all. Okay, so that was kind of that. So who are some of the teams you're heading into the year looking at that might be a little too overhyped? That, I'm sorry, might be able to what? It might be a little bit overhyped heading into the year. Oh, overhyped? Um, I just did something for us on I, I, for, for, uh, for our side. I said Texas, which is a borderline ranked team. But people seem to be expecting Texas to win the championship this year. I don't think they will. Um, in fact, I know they won't. You know, I, I think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are uh, miles ahead of everyone in that league, and probably Kansas State's right up next to them. So I, I think Tom and Herman will do great things uh, in the future, but not this year. And I seem to, you know, I seem to see a lot of Texas. I think LSU is one of those teams that are probably overrated for the reasons I mentioned. Um, it just looks like the same team without less miles. I mean, I don't know how dynamic they're going to be when they can't get the ball downfield right. um, uh, passing-wise. So, um, you know, uh, who else? I'm trying to think who else is in the top ten. You know, who's underrated is Wisconsin. I think they've got a chance. Um, they've been in, you can believe this, they've been in four of the six Big Ten championship games. Wow. Um, now, at least one of those is when Penn State was on uh, being penalized by the NCAA. But uh, you know they just keep changing coaches and they keep winning nine or ten games every year. So I think Wisconsin's got a chance if they, which they should, win the West. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I think Wisconsin. That schedule's pretty pretty easy by you know Big Ten standards. I think they got Michigan's the only real power team, right? I believe so. Yeah. All right, so they did lose. They did lose their bet. They did lose their top tackle, tackler. Was it uh, towards ACL? Chat. Yeah, yeah, that's fourteen that plays that physical. That's huge. Yeah, I thought that was big too because you know he's going to be their leader and a team like mm-hmm. this, a physical team like that. They rely on guys like that a lot. But you know we'll see how that plays out. So you gave Wisconsin. You got any other kind of under the radar teams? Uh, Oklahoma State. Yep. Uh, if they can. Um, you know, 
I think they can outscore everybody on their schedule. Uh, it doesn't mean they'll win all the games. I think it's a possibility. That's probably not the way you want to go. Um, you know, there's only been one team that really even sort of won that way. Uh, that was Auburn in 2010. They were, I think they ended up 54th in total defense, but they played a lot better defense in, in November when it counted that year and then won the national championship. So, um, they're going to have to find an average defense out of Glenn Spencer. Uh, Oklahoma, I wouldn't call them underrated, but just as a comparison, since Mike Stoops came back in 2012, they've had one year where they were better than 39th in total defense. And last year, in fact, they were 82nd in total defense, giving up a lot of yards and points. But I'll tell you something. We're talking about the two best teams in the, uh, in the Big 12. I think the, the upshot there is that league might be left out of the playoff again. Yeah, I think that's a possibility out there as well. All right, so we're going to get you out of here on this. Who's uh, who's your champion in 2017? I think Florida State, I think it's their year. Uh, I mean, they're, they're loaded with talent. I think DeAndre Francois will make that jump uh, to his second year as a starter, much like Jalen Hurts will at Alabama. The, the running backs are – even with the loss of Dalvin Cook, I hear that the running backs are as deep as ever. And their back four might be the best in the country, along with Alabama. Right. Um, and, and, again, if they lose, they get a chance. They'll probably get a chance to win all win all the games and get back to the playoffs and prove it. I just think it's Jimbo's time. He's, he's actually the winningest coach by percentage in FSU history. Of, of, you know, of a smaller sample size than Bobby Bowden, but – Way ahead of Bobby Bowden, he's just getting started at 77 and 17. So I'm going to go off the board a little bit and say FSU. Okay. All right. Well, Dennis, we appreciate you joining us. Um, again, this is Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com, the National College Football Writer. Y'all check him out at CBSSports.com and uh, on Twitter at Dennis Dodd. CBS, Dennis, thanks again for joining us. All right, man. Thank you. All right, folks. Again, we'd like to thank Dennis Dodd from CBSSports.com for joining us. Y'all go check out some of his work. Uh, headed up to the college football season. But like I said, Boomer, tonight is the night. Thursday night football is back. Love it. Favorite night of the week outside of Saturday, Thursday nights. Uh, not, <laughs> not Thursday night, yeah. Thursday night football. You can't beat it except for – the Saturday regular college games, the Sunday NFL games, the Monday night football, and the Tuesday night matchup. But, yeah, Thursday's right up there. It's give me probably, Thursday, man. Probably, probably rank six. Probably rank six. No, nah, give me Thursday. Um, but, yeah, big matchup. And by big, I mean Big Ten. Um, it is Ohio State versus Indiana at Indiana. Ohio State is a 21-point road favorite. Last time we saw Ohio State, they were getting shut out 31 to nothing in the Orange Bowl or in the Fiesta Bowl. I'm sorry, against Clemson in the playoff. They uh, have revamped some things. Kevin Sampson is coming in, or not Kevin Sampson, Kevin Wilson. Sorry, uh, is coming in. He's taking over that offense. Greg Schiano taking over the defense, or he's back in charge of the defense. Urban's back. Um, you know, last year, super young team. They're returning a lot of guys. 21-point road favorites to open the season. Boomer, who you like in that game? Oh, of course, I'm going with the home dog. I love this. Probably, I'd have to throw it up there as uh, my fourth-and-a-half favorite pick of the weekend right here. I love the Hoosiers in this spot. I think they've got something they care about having their offensive coordinator go to Ohio State. 
become their offensive coordinator. No, Lego Mayego. Same thing. Offensive okay. coordinator, head coach. Gus, some would say the same about Gus Malzahn. But Lego is gone. That was the heart and soul. That was the moneymaker for me last year. And I think they rally. They rally around. They care about this. First game at home, getting 21. I'm all about it. Ohio State, in my eyes, is a bit overrated. JT Barrett has a lot to prove. We'll see what happens. And I believe that Ohio State has about four players suspended, much like uh, Georgia starting out every year. Yeah, it's it's Ohio State, so you can almost guarantee that somebody's suspended for week one. Uh, yeah, I love Indiana in this spot. This would probably be in the vault or maybe in the Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week if I try, didn't try to avoid those uh, for scheduled games. Uh, home game, like my, uh, Matt Brown said last week in our guest from SB Nation, you know, this could be the biggest home game in the history of Indiana football. You know, all eyes are on them. Game day's there. Don't tell me they can't get up for that. Um, I mean, Ohio State's going to win. There's no doubt about it. But I think Indiana, they've given them trouble since Urban Meyer's been there. Every year they've played them, Indiana's given them trouble. You know, they almost beat them the year after they won the national championship. That was the game where Cardell and JT Barrett kind of went back and forth. I don't love JT Barrett. I think he's good, good college quarterback, but eh, give me the 21 all day, every day. I think, you know, they'll be happy to get out of there with a 14-point victory, 17 at most. So, I'll take the Hoosiers. Yeah, Ohio State, Ohio State has nothing to care about in this game except for getting away with the W on Thursday night. They don't want to be there. They're just I, there because they got The only thing that kind of worries me is the last time we saw them on a national stage, they just got the brakes beat off of them against Clemson. They've had to hear about that all offseason. But I, I don't know. I still think that uh, uh, Indiana can keep it within the number at home. But that's the Thursday night game. There's a couple other Thursday night games. I know I'm getting to one of them here in a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think the action actually starts at 4 o'clock tomorrow, Central Time, Florida International taking on. I can't remember who they play, but that's uh, one of the first games. They're playing UCF. It's a battle for the state of Florida coming in hot. That's right. Week um, one, day one, it is going to be fantastic. Am I betting on it? No, I'm not touching Return of Butch Davis. Yeah, I'm not touching that. If you got any advice on it, though, shoot it our way because I don't really know what to do on that one. But uh, Friday night, of course, we got some action. Friday night football is back. Um, you know, we've got Navy. They're taking on Florida Atlantic. Lane Kiffin debut. Um, we've got a couple other games that night. We've got uh, Utah State and Wisconsin, Rutgers and Washington. There's a couple of others going on. Boomer, you know, we kind of got to a Thursday night game with the Indiana-Ohio State. we got to give us folks something to gamble on Friday night. Uh, who are you taking? Who's your favorite Friday night team? Well, I know I'm going to be gambling on Lane Kiffin. He's going to – Tear up the twins on Thursday night, if you know what I'm saying, back at the sorority house. Right. I got uh, five to one odds on that that he double teams two of them. Well, but uh, in regards to the game, well, I mean, I guess we're all winners, but Kiffin is the latter day saint of Boca Raton. And I think that he's just going to go down there. It's going to be a clown show. It's going to be a circus. He does not give two shits about defense, and he's going to be airing it out on fourth down all night. Love Florida Atlantic right here. Not to cover because I really don't have any faith in them as a team per se, but offensive-wise, I absolutely love them scoring. I think they easily hit the over. 
okay. of 68. I think it's gone, actually gone down a little bit. Last time I checked, 68. I know they're playing Navy, but like I said, Florida Lane doesn't give two shits about defense. Navy's going to be running up the field. The only time they are not going to score is when they're out of breath in the fourth quarter. Okay, so you're giving us the over of 68 in this one. Yes. Okay, over um, 68, Florida, Atlantic, and Navy. I'm sticking with that game, but I'm taking Navy minus 10. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Lane Kiffin guy. I'm a big fan. You know, really enjoyed what he was able to do with Alabama the past couple of years. Fun to watch. You know, it's been fun to watch Alabama offenses, which hadn't always been the case. But, you know, I think he'll get that program back somewhat relevant. I mean, he'll get them relevant just on name alone. But I think they're a little overhyped. You know, I think that the lane train coming in has kind of gotten odds makers, you know, or people, the public is seeing this. They're going to want to watch this game. You know, it's basically last chance U 2.0. If you watch a Netflix show, half that damn team is now in Boca Raton playing for the lane train. Um, but I think Navy, they come in hot. They'll, uh, I think they'll cover the spread there. I think, you know, I think this game might be 14 or 17 if it was, um, you know, Major Applewhite or someone that were taken over at FAU. But the fact that it is Lane Kiffin, that name brand, name recognition, I think that gets them some points. So I think you'll be able to take advantage of that. Give me Navy minus 10 on Friday night uh, to kind of roll us into the weekend. And then we really. What do you think? Where do you where do you, where you predicting the score of that? Because that's the biggest game of the weekend, obviously. Obviously, um, you're right. It's going to get ugly score wise. Give me uh, forty one to twenty four. Oh man, that's that complete math right there. That doesn't cover your over either. But I'm taking forty one twenty four. Forty one twenty four Navy. But let's get uh, let's get into Saturday where the primetime action really gets going. Uh, it's not quite the slate we had last year on week one, but I think week two really gives us some good options. But, you know, we got week one. We're for the here and now. Let's talk about some of these games. Uh, Michigan and Florida is the first game we're going to take a look at. Uh, this line is up to five now. Michigan a five-point favorite. Florida has ten people now, up to ten people suspended for this game. And we still got a couple days to go, so there's no telling what that number might get to. Felipe Franks named the starter over Malik Zaire, which I think is probably a pretty good choice just based on the fact that I've watched Malik Zaire play football and I haven't watched Felipe Franks play. Um, but 10 players suspended for Florida. Boomer, what's your uh, take on this game? Well, considering that two more players have been suspended since we started this podcast about 15 minutes ago. Okay. I would say Breaking news. I'm gonna have to stick with uh, I'm gonna have to stick with uh, with my playoff team. I mean, Mi- Michigan they have discipline, they have heart, they have the talent. I mean, Jim Harbaugh hasn't been getting a bunch of two stars coming in the past couple of years. Florida has as many players suspended as the 2009 Georgia Bulldogs, and I think I think they. Talent-wise, if everybody's on the field, this is a close game. Considering that they're missing half their team, give me Michigan. Michigan, they got their eye on the prize this year. I'm, I'm all about it. I'll, t- I'll eat the four. Don't like it, but I'll take them. Okay. I'm um, not, not taking Michigan. I am taking Florida in this game. I think Florida wins it outright. Um, you know, if you've been reading some of my previews, I'm big on Florida heading into the year. I think there's a lot of talent down there in Gainesville, and if they can get somewhat adequate play out of the quarterback position, 
then they should be pretty good. Um, and I think that Felipe Franks gives them that option. And, I mean, Zaire's going to play, too. There's going to be a run-pass situation going on. But I like Florida. And, you know, I think that the suspensions are a little bit overstated. Callaway is out, which is going to be big. You know, he's their biggest offensive playmaker. I think they suspended their running back today. But, you know, Florida, they're going <laughs> to have several backup options at running back. I'm pretty sure Fred Taylor's kid's still on this team somewhere. But um, – yeah, give me Florida. And you might you might be right. You might be right. I, I feel like I see a young Aaron Hernandez on my team right hey now. Hey now, hey now, no murder jokes. <laughs> God, can't hey, wait. It, it worked for them. I, you know, that's what Florida's all about. Cannot but wait. Urban Meyer's not there. So cannot we'll wait see. for the thirty for thirty on those teams. Um, but yeah, so kind of opposing each other here. I like Florida. Boomer likes Michigan. Um, let's go to New Orleans now. Uh, what was originally going to be a game in Houston, not going to happen. Uh, you know, our thoughts go out to all those affected by Hurricane Harvey. Y'all do what you can to help. You know, I know not everybody can go over to Houston and help, but, you know, every little bit helps money-wise. So, you know, be sure to help where you can. Um, but, you know, we've got the BYU-LSU game was moved from uh, Houston. Now they're going to be playing that in New Orleans, kind of a home game for LSU. Although some folks well, I would be I would be willing to guess that that did not change the minds of too many BYU fans. The game being moved from Houston to Baton Rouge. No, no, no. That's what I was saying. You know, a lot of folks are saying that BYU is going to travel well, and it might not necessarily be a home game for LSU. But either way, uh, BYU played last week. They looked absolutely awful. I'm chalking that up to be a little bit more of a looking-ahead situation. They only beat Portland State 20-6. to uh, They're 16-and-a-half-point dogs right now to LSU. I like BYU a lot in this spot. Um, like I said, you know, their defense is really good. I'm not going to be back in LSU until I really see what Orgeron's been able to do down there. You know, a lot of folks are big on Matt Cannon, offense coordinator, but I want to see if he can get anything out of the quarterback position down there. I, I think – BYU has a matchup or has the quarterback advantage in this game. Tanner Mangum is going to be a little bit better than, I guess, Etling starting for LSU again. So, you know, I like BYU. Stick within the points. This is going to be a low-scoring game, in my opinion. Probably not going to be the most fun to watch, but 16-and-a-half, uh, buy that to 17, give you a little bit more value. I mean, this offers some value as a play, so uh, I like BYU in this matchup, Boomer. Yeah, unfortunately, I uh, I hate having to eat this many points whenever it's a team not Alabama. But BYU, maybe they got caught looking a little bit ahead in this one. Um, I don't see that. They have zero talent. They're going to lose every single matchup on the field. Not Most of the time, significantly. Most of the time, significantly. LSU has never had to have a quarterback. You know that. They just run the ball. So they they go eight and four. <laughs> yeah, they go eight and four, beating the shit out of BYU and teams like BYU. I mean, BYU has got a good defense. I don't know where you get the sixteen and a half because it started out at twelve and a half and is now at fourteen and a half. No, it's so, sixteen. Uh, if if you're making up your own lines, then give me a heads up, and I'll go ahead and scratch up some lines on my side, but. I'm taking LSU minus the 14 and a half. I think that Orgeron has them as a cohesive unit now. Do I know their names? No, I don't follow recruiting. So I don't know all the freshmen that they have playing on their team this year, but I do know they're a bunch of damn athletes. They're going to be hitting some folks. It's a home game. 
maybe there's an emotional element there with the hurricane that hit. Maybe not, but stains will be packed and it's going to be a beat down. Give me a lot of Yeah. Uh, nope. Back in or fading you there, but we'll see on Saturday. Uh, next up, next, the only other Saturday game we're touching is Florida State and Alabama. This is the big one in uh, Atlanta, opening up the new dome. Uh, it's going to be a sight to see, probably in my, in my estimation, the two best teams in the country, one versus two. I think it's technically one versus three or one versus four, depending on what poll you look at. Alabama's seven-point favorite against Florida State. Should be a hell of a matchup. Boomer, which way are you leaning towards in this one? Man, I just, you know, you know how all about Florida State I usually am and love Jimbo Fisher. I think he is an awesome in-game coach. On this game, I will probably be live betting on Florida State, but that will be at halftime after Alabama's winning 21 to nothing. And I say that because every single season opener, Saban has the team ready and the game plan set. They have the talent this year, Florida State. They're a bit iffy, Francois. You know, I think he's a good quarterback, but offensive line, we're going to figure out how sturdy they're going to be this this year. Right. They've got two stud running backs. They're both freshmen. So uh, Alabama's not going to get blown out in this game. No. Florida State potentially could, and that's why I'm going to side. I'm going to have to eat the seven points. But, like I said, once Florida State gets down significantly, second half lines, I'm definitely going to be hammering Florida State. I got you. Yeah, this is definitely not one I love. Um, I, I think I've said it. I think I said it last week. Maybe not. You know, I've been telling anybody to listen though. Any other week, Florida State is my Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the century at minus seven. You know, if this is a week two or week three game, that kind of thing. But it being week one and Saban is so damn good. Week one at Alabama. I mean, they, it's some of the most impressive teams. You know, you think back to that first real big one in 08, Clemson, you know, just beat the hell out of them in Atlanta. And then it kind of started a trend from there. And, you know, he kills former assistants. You know, he's never lost a game to a former assistant. Jimbo's a former assistant. He's won every game against a former assistant by at least 14 points. I'm taking Alabama minus seven, but I, I don't love it. Um, you know, I'll probably have a little action on it. I think Boomer's got the right idea to live bet this game. Um, Florida State's offensive line would be the only really impact spot, I think, that Alabama just has a huge on-field advantage. Um, because Florida State, they'll, they'll be better, the offensive line will, as the season goes along. But they're starting some guys that kind of missed some games last year and a couple new faces on that line You know, that weren't very good last year either. So, I think if Alabama can get some pressure early on, first half, you know, Jimbo, like you said, great in-game coach, might correct some of that at halftime. But, yeah, I think Alabama gets up first half line, you know, maybe take a look at that, the tide in that, and then fade them a little bit in the second half. I like that idea. But, you know, if i got to give you a pick, which we do, and we pick all the big games here, I'm, I'm giving Alabama minus seven. Now, I will say that I hope Alabama practices birth control better than they do gut control. No joke, right? I mean, getting shot at a nightclub. Crazy. Hey, but yeah, you want to hear, mean, you wanna we'll hear see, a crazy maybe. stat? Let me give you a crazy stat. Alabama is undefeated following a gun-related – getting shot by a <laughs> – right, let me rephrase it. Alabama is undefeated 
following a defensive lineman getting shot the week before a game against an ACC team. Happened in 2009 uh, before the opener against Virginia Tech. Uh, Brandon Dedrick, I think it was. You know, I don't want to be name dropping if it wasn't who, but somebody on that defensive line got shot and the tide went 14 and 0. So mark it down right now. Alabama 15 and 0 confirmed because Raekwon Davis got shot um, in the leg. Well, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the the main statistics, and with a statistic like that, you're going to be getting so many numbers coming in. Right. You know, pretty much. I mean on a weekly basis and that's what you want in gambling you want consistency yep. so yeah that's, that's a great thing to look at look at the games where Alabama players shot themselves right. um, only the deep fried best before podcast, that week only deep fried best podcast offer the kind of statistics so be sure to tell your friends alright so that's all we got on Saturday um, we got a Sunday game NFL hadn't kicked off yet so college football gets the spotlight on Sunday and Monday a couple games Sunday but the one we're going to take a look at is West Virginia Plus four against Virginia Tech. I think this is a neutral site game. I could be wrong on that. Uh, Sunday night. FedEx Field, baby. FedEx Field. That's what I thought. We're uh, we're up in the Washington area. So uh, plus four Virginia Tech or West Virginia plus four dogs against uh, Fuente and the Hokies. Boomer, where are you leaning towards in this one? Yeah, I was kind of surprised by the line on this because. Virginia Tech, zero to, to very low height coming in. Fuente, I mean, he did fine last year. He did about as good as a third-rate coach getting they, to a middle-of-the-road bowl the, game. Uh, didn't they get an ACC championship? <laughs> yeah, in the Coastal Division, right? Right. I think they, hey, they still got their challenge Clemson a little bit. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of like the um, – 100-meter dash at the Paralympics right there. Okay. All right. <laughs> I like West Virginia. I'm scared by the line opening the way it did. I'll take the four. I think that there's probably something going on here. But, you know, I like Greer. I think Dana Holgerson, fantastic coach especially in game i think this game can be out coach neutral field and i said it last week i think that west virginia is kind of underrated going into this year so we'll see all i got to say about that is all right all right all right um i am also taking west virginia love the nears in this one uh dana holgerson aka matthew mcconaughey coming in hot my uh, plus four, I'll take the four all day. I'll probably take a money line bet on this. Uh, like I said, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week. I had it in some of my write-ups. Uh, West Virginia is one of the most undervalued teams for me heading into the season. Love what they're offering. Yeah, I think they start seven, eight, and zero possibly. So you know, to get to seven or eight and zero, you got to get the one and zero. So I think they'll get the win Sunday night. Yeah, I like Holgerson. To, to out-coach Fuente a little bit in this one. Um, you know, Will Greer is great. Started 5-0 at Florida. You know, Florida has – he's been the only competent quarterback they've had since Tebow, really, and got suspended and kicked off or left, and now he's at West Virginia. So, he's going to be ready to play. You know, he's got to be excited to get back on the football field. Love West Virginia in this spot, plus four Sunday night. So, now we got some Monday night football. Going back to Atlanta, Georgia Tech versus Tennessee – uh, Georgia Tech is a three-point dog. That's basically going to be a home game in terms of you know, it, in terms of like where they are and location. But I think Tennessee will pack that place out pretty good. Those those fans travel all right. 
Uh, Tennessee, three-point favorite in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Is that what they're calling that big bad boy over there? Yeah, and it's a bad mamma jamma. They got everything. They got, uh, I believe, three different bars, viewing bars. Yeah, I've heard it's the real deal. I hate that I won't be there Saturday to check it out, but you know, hopefully Alabama will provide, provide me another opportunity late in the season in the SEC Championship game to check it out. But uh, Georgia Tech, three-point dog versus Tennessee. I'm going to roll with Tennessee here. You don't hear that very often on this podcast from me, but uh, Georgia Tech was another team I wrote about in my preseason write-ups. Don't like them at all. I, I just I, The triple option is dead to me. And especially Tennessee's had all offseason to prepare for it. They got a lot of athletes on that defense. I know, you know, they're missing some guys from last year. Uh, defense alignment, of course, his name is slipping my mind. Uh, the sack master, you know, he'll be gone. But I still think Tennessee can get the job done. You got some time to prepare for that triple option. Three-point favorite, I'll take them. I'll eat the three here. I think they win by about seven, maybe ten. In Atlanta, remember who you're rolling with here. Yeah, I'm not really understanding why the, this line opened the way it did. The action, just by looking at the numbers, it's kind of leaning more towards Georgia Tech. But I think – so all of my bets are surrounding that more or less the public is going to come out and have a winning weekend this weekend. Fill up the coffers. That's what Vegas wants once you get a little taste you start losing it the last 12 weeks of the year. So I think I think the Sharps are probably going to be on Georgia Tech in this game a little bit um, just because it is kind of a home game. Georgia Tech had a little bit of hype coming in. I like Tennessee. The line's gone to three right now. Um, I think that they if they don't win – more than a field goal, they'll win by at least a field goal. I don't see them getting blown out because Bush Jones' job is on the line starting Week Monday one. night. Yeah, I agree. So I think I think he's going to have them ready. They have better talent. Um, so yeah, that, that's the safer pick. Week one for sure. I agree. All right, so that's all we got scheduled wise. Um, so we'll get to some uh, some other. Vault and Stone Cold Steve Austin locks here in just a second. But, you know, ever since I started this podcast, people have always been asking me for advice. You know, usually it starts with, who are you going to bet on this week? You got Florida State or you got Alabama or, you know, you're taking Michigan or you're taking Florida. Let me tell you this. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting with or who you're betting on. Uh, that's why I always tell my people to go to myboogie.ag. MyBoogie has been the business uh, for years. A rep is rock solid. 100% cash bonuses, so right off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. Uh, have the fastest payout, seriously, two business days. I mean, that's what I love. You get your money right away. Uh, if you don't, I mean, you know who's going to win, I want you to go lay down some cash on it. Win big. MyBoogie.ag, we're giving you winners, and we're also giving you a 100% promotion code. Uh, it's the only service I recommend our listeners. If you go there, all you got to do, go to MyBoogie.ag, and you deposit however much, you know, up to, I think, $1,000. They're giving you $1,000 in free play. Use the promo code DEEPFRIED, all caps, mybookie.ag. Check them out and, you know, side with us this weekend and get your bankroll started for the season. NFL coming up next week. But we're going to get it started college football this week. Like I said a short time ago, we had a great interview with Dr. Bob and Dr. Bob Sports. 
Uh, we're going to get to that right now and see what Bob's got to say about these college football games this weekend. All right, folks, we'd like to welcome Dr. Bob uh, from Dr. Bob Sports to the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Um, you can find him at drbobsports.com or on Twitter at drbobsports. Uh, again, this is Dr. Bob, and, you know, widely regarded as one of the best college football handicappers there is in the business. So extremely honored to have him on tonight. Bob, how are you doing this evening? Uh, doing pretty good. Don't sleep a lot this time of year, but otherwise um, doing doing fine. I bet not. So, yeah, big uh, college football, I guess, officially gets underway tomorrow. You know, what, what did you make of last weekend? Uh, I liked last weekend, actually. Um, I put my season win totals out every year, and I post them on my site for free. Those have been actually really good over the years, 29 and, and 12. In fact, the last three years, they've been 16, the last four years, they've been 16 and three this season over-unders. And every right. year I post them for free and, and tweet them out. And um, last week, two of the teams of the four that I had season win totals on actually played last week. I had uh, Oregon State under five, and they looked horrible. Uh, against Colorado State, and I have BYU under nine and a half, laying about a buck fifty odds. But uh, BYU, I thought their problem was the offense, and um, they they only scored twenty what they twenty to six or twenty four to six against Portland State. I mean, they were favored by thirty seven, and their offense couldn't even get to thirty seven, not even close. Uh, so I feel pretty good about the BYU under. Um, so I, I, I liked what I saw last week, actually, based yeah. on based on the season win totals I picked. I'd say definitely off to a good start. So you just tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in the, the handicapping business? Well, I was a uh, statistics major at Berkeley. Um, I started there in 1983, uh, before the Internet. And um, I had a friend that had a – and I was always interested in football stats. I was a huge stat junkie as a kid and a Bill James baseball abstract guy. That was, you know, like Christmas, you know, when I got that in the mail every year. Um, and I, there was a friend of mine who was in a football pool at the bowling alley and it was two bucks to enter. And I said, Oh, cool. I, I didn't even know what a point spread was, but he told me how it worked. And I went, uh, went, went home with my, uh, NFL, uh, guide book and looked at all the stats and came up with some equations. And the first week I entered my two bucks picked every game against the spread, went 12-2, and two, and won $102. And I thought, well, hey, this is something fun. And then the next week I did it again, and I came in second on 40 bucks, and just sort of piqued my interest. You know, I sort of wonder now, what if I had you know, gone 2-12 and 12 that first uh-huh. week? I wonder if I ever would have had the career that I have. But just got me interested in it and started uh, researching patterns. Uh, part of what I was doing, I was taking what's called a time series analysis course or 4A analysis, and which is which which is the uh, which helps you discover um, waves and patterns in, in, in data. And I thought, oh, this is cool. Maybe I'll apply this NFL stuff to see if there are any patterns. And sure enough, I realized that teams perform in certain ups and downs, and there are certain predictive things in the way teams in general perform. And so I started applying that, and you know, that's sort of the technical aspect of what I do. Uh, and then it just evolved from there. But uh, I've been sort of hooked on the problem-solving aspect of it ever since. I'm not, not really – I don't really have a gambler's mentality. And I think most successful gamblers don't look at it as a gamble. They look at it as an investment. That's sort of what I do, and that's sort of what I talk about on my site. Okay, perfect. So do you do more uh, – or do you do NFL, or are you just focus mainly on college now? Yeah, I mean, I took a few years off the NFL. I, my, the model that I had in the NFL worked really well for many, many years. And then there was about eight to ten years where my model just wasn't any better than the market. And I just wasn't spending as much time on it just because I spent so much time on college, which was what I was really good at. And so I sort of abandoned the NFL for a few years. And then last year I uh, had the opportunity. I hired a mathematician to wor- work with me on a model 
um, that I'd sort of had in my head for a long time, uh, just a play-by-play model. And, you know, I've got to say, I mean, he did, he did most of the work on that for sure. Um, I injected some ideas that I had and sort of the combination of what we did really worked really well. So last year was the first year back in the NFL. Uh, and the results were much, much better than, than I expected. Um, best bets were 169, 100 wins and 69 losses. That's a lot of games, size and totals. Um, it did really, really well, probably, you know, more, they had some luck on our side for sure to have that kind of win percentage on that many games. Right. But I mean, overall, this model should continue to work going forward. And, um, so yeah, we're back, I'm back in the NFL, but still spend most of my time on college and, you know, the, the mathematician I hired sort of runs the NFL model and, you know, I sort of inject my ideas into that, but that's sort of where we're at. So yeah, last year was the first year back and did well so but mostly i focus personally on college i got you so what is it about college you know just more market inefficiencies or that kind of thing is it what well yeah i think there 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 are more market inefficiencies i think what i'm really good at the the things that my models are really good at is adjusting for schedule strength which makes a huge difference in college and not so much of a difference in the nfl because schedule strengths are all fairly equal in the NFL. I mean, we're talking about a few points here and there, but in college, you know, especially weeks five and six, the, the, you know, the non-conference schedules can be uh, really different in the level of competition you face. And my model is really good at gauging uh, your, your schedule strength and adjusting for that. So I think that's where I have an advantage. Also, I spend hours and hours every single week adjusting for player personnel changes and lineup changes. Uh, for instance, if, you know, USC last year, for instance, the first three games of the season, uh, Max Brown was a starting quarterback. He was terrible. Uh, then Sam Darnold comes in and he's, he's, he's incredible. Uh, it's pretty obvious right away. Once he started playing more that he was the real deal. But as the season went on, what I would do and instead of just adjusting USC for, for games in which, you know, Darnold played or, or his stats only, I would also adjust every team that USC played based on whether you faced Brown or Darnold, or, you know, sometimes a combination of both. So I'm, I'm adjusting every opponent's defense based on which, you know, how many passes pass plays each quarterback from USC threw against them. And I do this for every team I, I'm adjusting not just that team based on current personnel, but I'm, you know, and significant, you know, when there's a significant difference between quarterbacks or it could be defensive backs that are out or whatever, I will adjust every opponent they've played as well. And I think those adjustments make a, make a big difference. So it's just being really meticulous and detail oriented and having the math background to make adjustments that are, are, accurate i think is the key to my college football success okay so like what do you do with the situation you know today florida announced Felipe franks is going to get the start against michigan what do you do with the situation do you did you project zaire the start there or is that something you kind of wait no to no i actually didn't um I, I thought franks would probably start actually i actually think that both will play right i i think i think it's going to be you know sort of like the situation with texas last year um you know, it had Bichelle come in and they had the back of who was a better runner and he was in the goal line, you know, the guy that played the year before. You know, it could be a situation like that where Zaire's a better runner perhaps. And, you know, he might be in on those situations where they want to run more read option and do stuff like that. And also he can sling the ball. I mean, he throws a good deep ball. Um, two years ago when he was, when he was at, when he was getting more time at Notre Dame, he played pretty well three years ago, I guess it was when he, when he had his moments at Notre Dame, he, um, he had a good season. So, 
I think both might play, um, but I think for the for the program to you know down the line, it's 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 better that the the redshirt uh, freshman you know gets the start and gets most of the time. But I wouldn't be surprised if if both play. And I sort of in those situations, you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily you know going to guess oh who's better. The coach has made a wrong decision. And a lot of times, I trust the coach to make the best decision for his team. Uh, and I think I would have graded their offense the same regardless of which one of those guys was named the starter. Okay. So while we're kind of talking about that, do you have much of a feeling on that game this weekend? Uh, you know, kind of. I, mean, I, I suppose I lean a little bit um, with the dog there. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tough game. I mean, uh, <laughs> There's so many suspensions on on one side of the ball. You know, Florida's got so many guys suspended. Um, I'm, you know, with the suspensions, I make Michigan, you know, four point eight, and they're favored by five. Okay. You know, so it's not really one of those games that I want to dive into. My numbers were pretty dead on. Before all the suspensions, I, I had Michigan State by by two. Or, I mean, excuse me, Michigan by two. Uh, so the line's been adjusted appropriately, and it's not a game that I really want to get into. I got you. So what are some of the games that you're kind of salvating that to, to open the college football season with well you know as is usually the case with these opening week games the marquee games are pretty fairly priced and i rarely find any value in those games alabama florida states and the michigan florida's and those kind of marquee games generally those are priced pretty accurately uh there are three games that i've released to my clients so far and two of them are huge underdogs and they're they're pretty ugly games uh, the first one I released to my, my clients on Monday morning was Rutgers plus 30 and a half against Washington. And that line's come down to, to 27 and a half. I suspected that line would have gone down whether I released it or not. So I jumped on that one pretty early in the week. Just in case, well, you know, Rutgers, everybody knows, was just, just horrible yeah. uh, last year. I mean, one of the worst, uh, you know, major conference schools that I've seen in a long, long time. Their offense, you know, if they scored a touchdown, it was a victory for them. They were so bad. Uh, this year, a lot different. I mean, they have a lot of a lot of uh, talent that's come in, transfers and such. Uh, most notably, running back Gus Edwards from Miami. I mean, the one thing that Rutgers actually did do well, despite having zero pass attack, uh, last year's leading rusher Robert Martin actually averaged 5.2 yards per run, which is really incredible given how bad their pass attack was. And Gus Edwards beat out uh, Martin. So now they have two good running backs. And, I th- and the coaching staff there, uh, especially new, new office coordinator Jerry Kill, thinks that Edwards is an NFL caliber court, uh, running back. He just didn't get as much playing time at Miami as a, as a backup as he probably deserved to. And uh, he did a good job there. I think Rutgers is going to have a good running game. The pass attack should be a night and day better uh, with Bolin coming over from Louisville. I mean, he, he's got plenty of, of uh, experience as a starter, um, and he likes to throw that, you know, that deep ball, and Rutgers has some guys who can, who can run. Um, you know, also remember that Scarlet Knight's best receiver, Janarian Grant, was injured um, after four games. He's leading the team receiving last year, and, and he got injured, and the offense was just nothing after he was down. So he's back this year, plus they have some added talent, some other transfers, two other big five uh, receivers have, have come on. So I think the offense is going to be so much better, just an influx of talent um, and, a, and a new offensive coordinator is going to make a difference. And the defense will, will be better for similar reasons, just, just, just better quality, um, quality talent on that side of the ball. I mean, Rutgers is still going to be a bad team, but they're not going to be 
you know, that bad where they should be a 30 point home underdog. And Washington is, is likely not going to be as good as they were last year. They lost too much talent in the secondary and three, I think they had three second round draft picks, NFL draft picks. You know, it's just, I think they're going to be good. They're going to be really good, but they're just not going to be quite as good as they were last year, I don't think. Okay. So you like Rutgers? I think that's a Friday night game. What, uh, what are you looking at yep. on Saturday? Well, I have another Friday night game. Actually, another big, ugly underdog, uh, Utah State. Uh, when I released that, they were a 28-point. Uh, I released it this morning, uh, Wednesday morning. They were a 28-point underdog to Wisconsin. That line's come down a little bit, but I think it'll probably go back up to 28, possibly. Uh, Utah State was 3-9 and nine last year and much, much better than, than their record. Uh, first of all, they lost every single game that was decided by seven points or less. They were 0 and 4 in those games. So, wow. you know, yeah, they were 3 and 9, but they just as easily could have been 7 and 5 or 8 and 4. I mean, they just, and, you know, they averaged five and a half yards per play and allowed five and a half yards per play in their 11 games against FBS teams. So they were not nearly as bad as the 3 and 9 record. Um, and when you take, you know, strength, strength, strength the schedule into account. Uh, Utah State was barely worse than an average F- FBS team, and their defense is always good. They've had better than average defenses for about six six consecutive seasons at Utah State. And last year, they only had three returning starters on that side of the ball. This year, they should be better defensively. Uh, Kent Myers is a veteran quarterback. So it's fourth year as a starter coming up. The running game should get better. A new offense coordinator there, I think, is going to mix things up. Um, the new OC spent some spent some time at both Washington State and Oregon in recent years, so he's got some some new ideas on how to how to use the talent they have. I don't think they're going to be good offensively. They'll probably still be a little bit worse than average on a national scale. But I think the defense has always been good at Utah State, and I think it's going to be better this year. So it's just hard for me to believe that a team with a solid defense. Uh, is going to lose by 28 points to Wisconsin, a pretty conservative team right. that will be happy to ru- happy to run the ball if they get a lead. They'll be happy to run the ball, eat some clock. Um, I do think Wisconsin's a good team. I have them ranked 14th best team in the nation, a little bit lower, I think, than most people do. Um, but they're so conservative, it just plays into them. You know, it plays into Utah State. So if they decide to run the ball, Utah State, that's the thing they do. They stop the run. So. I just think the matchup worked for them. So Utah State plus 28 was uh, was another best bet. Okay. So, we, uh, you know, the big big matchup, Alabama, Florida State. I know you said you don't dive too much into that, but if you had to, to look at it right now just because it is the big matchup of the weekend, what's uh, what are you looking at in that one? Well, here's the thing about Alabama, both these teams. I have these teams one and two. I have Alabama one, like everybody else, and Florida State as the second-best team in the country. And I think these are the number one and number two defenses in the country. Uh, Florida State, you know, the, their pass defense is going to be ridiculous. They they were good last year. I had them ninth in my in my pass defense ratings last year. They returned three of their four starters in the secondary, and the one starter who wasn't a starter last year is Derwin James, who's considered one of the best defensive players in the country. He didn't. He only started two games last year as a freshman. So Florida State's secondary is ridiculously talented. If the defensive front can get pressure on the quarterback, which they probably can do, and with such a good secondary, they'll be able to blitz and do, do stuff like that, Florida State's going to be really, really tough to throw against. And here's the thing about Alabama. As good as they were, and they were really good offensively last year, uh, obviously, and Jalen Hurts was the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, and he put up some good, good numbers, and especially running the ball. But throwing the ball was something he could not do against elite pass defenses. Yep. Last year, he faced, he faced four teams that were ranked in my top 10 in pass defense, LSU, Florida, Washington, and Clemson in the playoffs, 
And in those four games, uh, uh, Alabama only averaged 4.4 yards per pass play. Now, those four teams would normally allow 4.6 yards per pass play as a group to an average quarterback. So even though Jalen Hurts had really good numbers in general, those were put up mostly by really putting up huge numbers against mediocre and bad defensive teams. But against elite teams, he has not proven that he can, he can move the ball through the air. So that's, I think, where Florida State has a matchup advantage. Um, so my ratings favor Alabama by six and a half, spread seven, but I think the matchup favors Florida State. I'm not going to bet the game, but if I had to, I'd, I'd lean with Florida State, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won the game. Okay, I got you. So then, you know, like I said, the marquee, but you're kind of focusing on some of the smaller games, which that's usually where some of the better bets are. But before we get you out of here, we've got one final question for you. Who, Who's a team that Vegas might not be as high on to start the year out? Um, you kind of – Getting, a, you think you might be getting a lot of value the first couple of weeks before folks catch uh, catch on to them. Well, there's a couple teams I had. I mentioned the two unders I had in the win in my season win totals, which were under Oregon State and under BYU. I think both those teams are are um, were overrated. I don't think BYU is as much anymore after after how bad they played last week, and right. probably Oregon State might not be after getting smacked by 31 points at Colorado State. But there's also two overs that I gave out. And by the way, these are posted on my website. You could look for my blog and the season win totals. All this analysis of these teams is posted on there. So I have two overs. One of them is Middle Tennessee State. Um, and I do lean with them this week as a home dog against Vanderbilt. But Middle Tennessee State last year won, won, won nine games. Their starting quarterback missed a couple of those games. Now uh, it's the third year for quarterback Brent Stockstill. He started as a freshman, good numbers, started last year, good numbers. This year should be even better. Last year, he put up pretty good numbers as, as a quarterback on a national scale, even if you adjust for, for the weak competition that uh, Middle Tennessee faced. And this year, they return a, a, the third-team All-American receiver, Richie James, and they return uh, freshman All-American, Ty Lee. And last year, four of their top eight receivers were, were injured in August and didn't play. Wow. So there was a, a, a problem with depth at wide receiver last year, and Stock still still put up really good numbers. And that offense was still very – they averaged 40 points a game last year with very little depth at wide receiver. This year, they have their two stars back plus tons of depth. Uh, they do not have Atavius Mathers, who was the Ole Miss transfer, who, who, tore up the, who tore up Conference USA. But I think the running game is still going to be pretty good. And the defense – you know, not great, obviously, last year on a national scale because no team in Conference USA has a great defense. But by, by Conference USA standards, the defense is pretty solid. So I think they're an underrated team uh, coming into the season. And uh, Middle Tennessee over was one of, my, uh, one, of my, one of my plays. And I think they're an underrated team. I'd say the other underrated team um, is Air Force. And the reason I bet them over five wins, I mean, Air Force wins six games or more pretty much every single year under uh, Coach Calhoun. One year they did not. So he's been there 10 years, and one year they did not win six regular season games. Wow. Um, the reason their win total is at five is because they have one returning starter on defense. But it doesn't really matter how many returning starters. First of all, the service academies rarely have a lot of returning starters anyway. Um, but one, obviously, is, is about as low as you get. Um, but I did a study on, on Air Force's defensive level of defense, based, you know, compensated for who they played and how many returning starters they had each year. The correlation between number of returning starters and the level of Air Force's defense is 0.00. There is zero 
correlation. Last year, they had nine returning starters on defense and had a worse defense than they did the year before. Wow. Uh, they had a year, yeah, they had a year one time when they had eight returning starters. The next year, they had two returning starters, and the team that had two returning starters had a better defense than the year before. Okay. There was zero correlation. So Air Force is not getting the respect that they deserve. Air Force's offense is going to be good because it's always, I mean, the option's always good. Yep. Uh, and I like their, I like the new quarterback they had at the end of last year who led that, had that winning streak at the end of the year. He's the starting quarterback this year, so I think the offense is going to be better, and the defense is not going to fall off like people. It will fall off a little bit probably, but not like people think. So I don't think Air Force is getting the credit that they deserve. Okay, so you got Air Force and Middle Tennessee State, some teams to look out for early. All right, well, again, uh, it's Dr. Bob from Dr. Bob Sports. Bob, we really do appreciate you joining us uh, this week. Again, y'all check him out, drbobsports.com. Uh, free analysis that's going to start going up uh, tomorrow and Friday. Uh, those picks have been killer in the past, too. So, you know, get some free uh, action while you're at it. Check them out on Twitter, at Dr. Bob Sports. And uh, we appreciate you joining us, Bob. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Yep. All right, folks. We're back again. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Y'all go check him out for real. That's good stuff. Um, we, we're going to get to the vault, and we're going to get to the Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week. But first... Let's get to this new segment, some social media questions. All right, so we got our social media questions of the week. This one coming to us from a friend of the program, Alex Masson. Masson wants to know, Boomer, who is your favorite double-digit dog to win outright this weekend, week one college football? Man, that is just such a dirty, dirty question. It is, week one. How's he going to do us like that? No, I love it. I love it, though, because those are the only kind of games I've been on because that's where you're making the most money. you got to go all in and don't go at all. So I would have to say that uh, this is one of my fault picks, but I think Cal this week at North Carolina has a chance to win outright. I know they sure as hell are going to have a chance to cover that 12-and-a-half spread. Ooh, okay, Cal. We're uh, we're fading a little bit. Not right now. We're not fading yet, but um, my favorite – Double-digit dog to win outright this weekend, Masson, is uh, Wyoming, the Cowboys. Josh Allen, he's going to be taking it down to Kinnick Field in Iowa. And I think, you know, this team, Iowa lost to North Dakota State last year at home. Wyoming's a lot better than North Dakota State. Let's give them that. Josh Allen's going to be a top-five pick in the 2018 NFL Draft quarterback Wyoming. He's going to have a field day with this Iowa defense. Desmond King is no longer there. Give me Wyoming plus 11.5 to win outright on the road. In that's, a, that's a square-ass pick. Golly. No. Well, do, you, do you read all the main blogs? All of them. All the main blogs. Yeah. That sounds great. That's uh, If you want to lose money, that's who I would go with. Right no. Nope. If you want to win money, Wyoming. Josh Allen's going to deliver that cash to your pocket. But like I said, one of our favorite things of the week, we give you our five favorite picks off the board. Not the big games, but our favorites. We call it the vault. Here it is. All right, Boomer. Let's hear it. Let's get to it. What are your five favorite week one college football games that, you know, the public might not be all about? You know, it's not the Florida State-Alabama games, but it's uh, – what else you got? Oh, I got some bottom-of-the-barrel games. Like I said, the California Golden Bears plus 12.5 right now going into Chapel Hill. North Carolina has lost the majority of their team almost as much as Clemson has this year. I think they easily covered that. 
probably going to be a touchdown game. Cal obviously has the ability to score pretty much whenever they want. Then I'm going to linebacker U over up in the Appalachians, going with Appalachia State plus 14 and a half at Georgia. I think Georgia has a lot of proof. First opening game, Appalachia State loves to keep games close. Most people probably remember last year's game against Tennessee where they got robbed and should have beat the hell out of the Vols. I think that their core of linebackers is going to be able to corral Chubb and Michelle as much as possible, but that's a strength of their defense. We haven't seen Eason yet. If Eason goes out there and airs it out, then they're going to beat the hell out of him. I'm betting that he's not going to. Then, going down to UMass, the team that broke my heart last week, am I sticking with them? Hell no, I'm not sticking with them. They lost me money. Hell no. Staying with Coastal Carolina, this line has had some weird shifts. It was started out Coastal Carolina minus three, has moved all the way to UMass minus two and a half. Give me the value. I'm making money right there with Coastal Carolina. Do I know their mascot? No. Do I know a single person? Chanticleer. Not a single person. Chanticleer. Not a single person. Chandeliers? Yeah. Chant- they're not going to be Chanticleers. No Chanticleers. They actually <laughs> won the college baseball championship like two years ago. That's a heartwarming story. Tell me about their uh, handball tournament. I wonder if they won that. They did not. Next, next I'm going to the Plains. Gross. Auburn Tigers versus Georgia Southern. Am I eating the 37, 36, 35, 34, 33 points? Hell no. That would be stupid. Auburn's not that good of an offense. That's why I'm taking the under of 59.5. Georgia Southern would score three points. Auburn will probably score in the range of 35. I have very little faith in the offense, but I do have faith they're going to be under the 59 and a half. Finally, rounding it out, Colorado State won me a lot of money last weekend. Love that. Love sticking with a team that wins me money. Can't stick with them this week. Going with the Colorado Buffaloes minus four. I think they get it done. I think they start their road to redemption. That's a Okay, so you got Colorado minus four, Auburn, Georgia Southern under fifty nine and a half, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers plus two and a half, App State plus fourteen and a half, and Cal plus twelve and a half. Um, that's some solid picks. Don't necessarily agree on uh, that Cal game. We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, let's get to my vault though. First off, I'm giving you Wyoming. Plus 11 and a half. I uh, kind of hit on that earlier with the social media question. I like Wyoming to keep it within the number this week at Iowa. Probably win the game outright, so take the money line there too. Next up, Thursday night action. This is the game I'm most looking forward to tomorrow night. Tulsa plus 18 against Oklahoma State. As you know, I love Oklahoma State heading into the year. Got them going to the playoff, but that road is not going to be so rainbowy to start the season. Mario Kart reference there for you folks. Uh, yeah, they've got Tulsa at home tomorrow or tonight, Thursday night game. Those Both of these teams put up a lot of points. Tulsa, Philip Montgomery is a good offense. They'll keep it within the number 18. Watch that game. It'll be wildly entertaining. Oklahoma State usually starts off slow to begin the season, so I like the 18 there. Next off, we're going out west. USC, as you know, is a team I'm fading early on the year. I think they start the year 0-3 against the spread. They'll win, obviously. They got Western Michigan. P.J. Fleck is not there anymore. I don't know if they're rowing the boat 
or not, but uh, they're going to be doing something similar. They're going to keep it within the number. Saturday, um, USC, 27-point favor, not covering that. Take the Broncos, Western Michigan, USC's got Texas next week. Gonna be a little, or Stanford, then Texas, so look-ahead spot here for them. Next up, Boomer, you gave us Cal. It got to 12-and-a-half now. Um, I've got North it's Carolina. It's at 12. 12-and-a-half 12 right now, so don't try to create a line. On well, I've got North Carolina at 11. I've got the ticket to prove it. Uh, love. Oh, man. Love the Tar Heels here. Uh, home game. Here's what you didn't give us, and all that great statistical analysis. Uh, Wilcox's first game out at Cal, coming in from Wisconsin. You know, he's a defensive guy. Should be interesting to see how they adjust there. What you didn't give us, though, 11 a.m. kickoff local time. That's like 6.30 in the morning in California. Uh, they're not going to be ready for that. So, you know, I don't care how quick or how long they've been there. The body doesn't adjust like that. So that's uh, that's a stat to look at there. North Carolina minus 11. They're probably the only time I back them all year, but I'm back in week one. Finally, I'm taking the Terrapins. Maryland, he a Terp. Plus 18 in the hook against Texas. Texas is good. I like Texas this year, uh, but I like Maryland. DJ Durkin to keep it within the number. You know, he started to get some of his guys in. He's recruited really, really well at Maryland, which you don't hear a lot. Uh, he'll he'll get some of his athletes on the field. They'll keep it within the number, um, 18 and a half. Hopefully only lose by 17 or 14 there, but run through those again. Maryland plus 18 in the hook. North Carolina minus 11. Western Michigan plus 27. Tulsa plus 18. And Wyoming plus 11 in the hook. It's my fault. But now it's the most important time of the Deep Fried Bets podcast. Bring them in, my friends. Let's hear it. The Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week. Boomer, who's your Stone Cold Steve Austin Lock of the Week, Week 1 college football? Oh, man. Well, you uh, you hinted towards it. I'm going with the damn Western Michigan Broncos against USC. They're getting – the last time that I looked at the real line, not the fabricated line that you have heard so often, is it's 26, and that's – Go, only going to go up, apparently. Could possibly get a 27-and-a-half. P.J. Fleck, I agree, he's gone. Corey Davis, gone. Quarterback, gone. Zach Terrell. But they they have recruited under P.J. Fleck all these years. USC, I said last week, I feel is very overrated for how they finished last year on such a high note. I agree that they're looking forward you know do they really give a shit about this game probably not only to win i could throw out a bunch of stats right now that would be meaningless like western michigan's 15 and 1 against the spread in the last 16 games or 21 and 1 last 22 games so you know all those are meaningless line started at two a lot of value coming in on Western Michigan, a lot of public hammering USC in this game. I think this is just an outright win this week. Yep, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. But it didn't quite make my Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. It was close. But my Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week, I believe they're still the minors. We're taking University of Texas, El Paso, UTEP, 
is taking on Oklahoma this week. UTEP is a 43-point underdog, and we're taking every single one of them. We might only win, lose, win by point. I don't think it'll be quite that close. Oklahoma, look ahead city right here. Ohio State next week, a team that beat them at home last year. So now they've got to go on the road to Ohio State uh, next week, week two. And, I mean, this is this is a classic look-ahead spot. You know, UTEP, you can't tell me they're preparing for UTEP in these uh, weekly or their spring practices, their fall practices. Like, they might have got to them today. Uh, they might have started prepping for them today. But it's been all Ohio State in that locker room, if you ask me. Baker Mayfield, good coach. Lincoln Riley, or a good quarterback. Lincoln Riley is making his head coaching debut. Is he really going to try to run the score up on somebody in his first game? I don't think so. He can't set that type of precedent. That'd be an asshole. Don't be an asshole, Lincoln Riley. Give me Utah plus 43 is my Stone Cold Steve Austin lock of the week. A ballsy pick. I think I think Utah's probably going to lose by 45. No. Let's give it a 42 and under, and we'll be happy with that. I don't know. There might be a last-second field goal because I feel like uh, Oklahoma's new coach is kind of an asshole. No, I don't think so. I had not got that vibe from him yet. We'll find out. We'll, uh, we'll report back on asshole status for Lincoln Riley next week. But until then, you heard it. This was Season 3, Chapter 2 of the Deep Fried Beds Podcast. Again, we want to thank Dennis Dye and we want to thank Dr. Bob for joining us. Uh, Boomer, really excited about this weekend of games. Uh, it's it's going to be a hell of a time. A lot of money to be made out there this weekend. What are you going to send the folks off into the weekend with? Oh man, I'm just uh, I'm so excited right now. My coin purse is just ready to explode, and it's going to definitely be exploding all over the room and probably in multiple rooms uh, come Saturday. That sounds so, dirty, man. Yeah, I just you know there there's a story where um, I accidentally had a little bit of icy hot cream graze graze uh, a bit of the nether regions this one time and. Uh, if you ever had that happen, it's very, uh, it's a very extensive, very weird journey that been, you go been through. Been fortunate to not ever experience it. A lot, lot of tingling, and uh, I'm getting that same tingling right now with this weekend's uh, set of games. Really looking forward to it. Okay, all right. So that's what you're sending us off to the weekend with. Um, hey, happy football watching, folks. It's back. Enjoy the weekend. Bunker down. Don't do anything Saturday except watch these games. Sunday afternoon, great games, and then we're coming back to close it out strong on Monday. But the action starts tonight. Indiana, Ohio State's a marquee game. But seriously, don't miss out on that Tulsa-Oklahoma State game. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And until next time, my friends, we will catch you on the flip side. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that good stuff. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. Massage your money. <laughs>